Welcome to the RM Williams Outback Podcast. I'm Terry Cowley, the Senior Associate Editor of RM Williams Outback Magazine. Thanks to Elders Insurance for sponsoring this podcast. The Red Centre has a special place in the hearts of Australians. Visitors might scrub the red dirt off the juco or out of the creases in their boots, but experiences like seeing Uluru at sunrise never leave the soul. Before COVID, the Red Centre was receiving more than 650,000 visitors a year. Numbers halved in the pandemic and are still clawing their way back. Then a crime wave saw shops and cars broken into repeatedly and the resulting media frenzy saw many travellers change their plans, which got the Outback team thinking. Despite the challenges, we know there are so many amazing things happening in the Red Centre. My colleague Ken Eastwood has written an amazing story for the new issue of the magazine that reminds us of many of them. Hello, Ken. G'day, Terry. How are you today? Oh, look, uh, fantastic. Uh, Particularly having been back out to the Red Centre, I just love that part of the country. It's just such a, uh, so good for the soul to be out there. I love it too. You started your story in the crusty, rusted hills and on the flats of Bond Springs Station, 20 kilometres north of Alice Springs, where the mighty Todd River is born. Why'd you start there, Ken? Yeah, good question. It, it's, when you're dealing with a story like the Red Centre, I think there is so many places you could start. But it, it was great to focus on somewhere that's almost like a microcosm of so much of the community out there and, and the history of the place. Bond Springs is now one of the smallest stations. In fact, I think it is perhaps the smallest cattle station out there. It's, a, um, it's still 1,500 square kilometres, so it's still a, a reasonable size. They're running uh, Pole Hereford out there, which is a, a fairly standard cattle f- out, out in that area, although there's um, increasingly a lot of black cattle as well and, and a few Santa Gertrudis, that, that sort of thing. And and it's a, it's a property uh, where they've, even recently, they've been facing the, the fire issues that, that many of the properties out there have faced. They've, they deal with drought, of course. They've got a wonderful mix of, of feed and, and good um, riverine country. And, and yeah, and on top of all of that, they've got, uh, you know, the history of a station that's been there for over 100 years. Plus, they've got uh, tourism as well. They've, they've got a little place that you can stay out on their, um, on their property. Bring it back to Alice, Ken. How are things there now? What was your experience of it? Yeah, obviously Alice has copped a bit in the in the news over the past year. It became quite a, I guess, was seen to be a very toxic place to be, and many stories of shops being broken into repeatedly. It, it's interesting to go there now that there are sort of say uh, quite a few shutters on on some of the shops at at night, that sort of thing. And yet, in terms of tourism, most people will say, actually, we need to get over this. It's not a, a really terrible place to be at all. In fact, they've got uh, nightly patrols now with an Aboriginal group who, who volunteer, who actually um, keep going around and sort of trying to keep um, particularly young kids out of trouble. They found over winter that uh, a lot of the crime uh, dropped right down and the, the mayor himself was uh, was very keen to see what's going to happen over summer, whether crime will in- increase again or, or whether it, it'll just stay at this um, much better level. So from Alice, visitors fan out not just to see the extraordinary natural attractions but to have a diverse range of other experiences. You went to Oramina Station Homestead. Yeah, uh, what an amazing place that is. It, it, it's a station that actually has this wonderful little Wild West 
sort of little street scene, which, which has been used in a few different movies and things. That was used in the movie Sweet Country. It was used also in, in some video clips. You can go and stay out there in a variety of little huts and things, and you get to ex- explore the, this cute little town with it with its Wild West movie set. It's um, it's quite fun. <laughs> and closer to town, Earth Sanctuary. Yeah, so, so this trip in the Red Centre, I really wanted to focus on, I guess, some of the... Uh, I, I, I've been out in the Red Centre many, many times. I was trying to get to some places that I haven't been to. And Earth Sanctuary has this... Uh, a really lovely blend of activities out there, including you can, if you're a, um, a couple who are into the night sky, you can actually um, basically rent an astronomer for the night and uh, that astronomer will give you a complete couple experience throughout the entire night and so you'll sleep in swags for a bit of it and then the astronomer will wake you up at different times and, and show you different things that, that, are, that are in the sky. Um, or you can just go uh, and and do the the, the two-hour show which which is basically uh what i did and uh and and again just that that wonderful night sky that so many people who go out to the desert country sort of go wow the stars are amazing and and it's just an opportunity to, to see that with people who know what they're talking about rent an astronomer that sounds very cool yeah and you've got probably the largest art gallery in the world extending more than 100 kilometers along the plenty highway Yes, and again, I think this is something that hasn't received a lot of publicity. It's it's quite extraordinary to be in an art gallery where where you drive, you might drive twenty minutes between the artworks, and uh, and and suddenly there they are. These and and they're all done on billboards, so so they're a decent size, and um, all done by artists, sort of who are along parts of of the country there, and and usually well, most of the artworks are actually about the country itself so there's a lot of artworks of the landscape or of um, plants or animals or all those sorts of things on there it, it, it's definitely worth seeing and quite an inter- interesting way to break up a, a drive out there absolutely you chose to cover two houses in your story two very different houses the first being adelaide house yeah adelaide house is right in the center of alice there and Incredibly set up by John Flynn in, in 1926, uh, originally as, as a hospital. Now, John Flynn, of course, went on to help set up the what we now know as the Royal Flying Doctor Service. And this particular house, I think one of the things that I found most amazing about it is the ingenuity of this underground air conditioning system you know, developed in, in 1926. So it's got... Uh, wind was sort of directed down underneath the house and they would put up these uh, wet sort of canvas, uh, I, I guess, screens that the wind would blow through and then generate that cool air back through the house. Now, unfortunately, after a while, they worked out the uh, the wet canvas actually was uh, was sort of rotting the inside of, of the house, so they actually um, stopped using it wet. But, but still, the ingenuity of creating something like that in 1926, I think, was pretty extraordinary. And, and then some of the stories that are associated with that early hospital, uh, my, one of my particular favourites was this, <laughs> which I think shows the resilience and the toughness of, uh, of people who live out in that area. You know, it was the story of this, uh, this police tracker called Toby, and Toby had been attacked by three prisoners and basically had his neck chopped. He had his skull p- completely sort of exposed with, with his sort of his brain hanging out of out of the front of his head, and he had one of his eyes pretty much gouged out. And um, 
being as tough as uh, as somebody in the red centre is, he basically um, sort of stuffed his his brain back onto his into his uh, into his head, put his hat over it, and then walked three kilometres to the hospital. So he, he was one of the first uh, first people at the uh, um, at Adelaide House. And you also covered another house, Purple House, which is providing some important medical treatment. Purple House, I think, is an extraordinary success story when we talk about dealing with uh, modern Indigenous health. So one of the things that was quickly established, bringing many First Nations people into Alice to give them dialysis, was actually creating multiple layered problems. One is that Usually if they're travelling with family, there's not necessarily anywhere for the families to stay, that sort of thing. Plus they were finding that the the rates of recovery, I guess, for these people weren't great. And part of that was because they were missing their home country so much that often they'd miss treatments or that sort of thing. So Purple House developed this model of care where they developed these remote dialysis units actually back on country and and allowing people to receive their dialysis treatment because dialysis treatment is is not fun it's it's very time consuming isn't it exactly you you can be five or six hours tied up to the machine and having to have that you know multiple times a week so to be able to do that back on country they were finding that it had so many multiple benefits one of which was they would help educate people in the community in their own communities about hey you don't want to go in this direction you really want to start looking after your diet and and those sorts of things plus it solved that problem of having families having to travel into Alice Springs oh it just makes perfect sense exactly and then they started looking at, at the cost and they're going, actually, this is saving the government money. Um, they can now show that people in the Purple House program have better recovery rates and be- better treatment rates than white people in Sydney who are on dialysis. So so it, it's a win, 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 win. And on top of that, one of their programs is their Bush Medicine program. So many of the people wanted to still receive traditional uh, medicine in addition to the dialysis. And so they got some of the some of the oldies who, who understand the, which medicine plants to, to use that sort of thing, and they're now producing this uh, these bush balms, and anyone on in the program gets them for free, but they're also available for, for you and I to buy. And when we purchase them, that helps subsidise the whole program. So it's this this wonderful sort of idea of I guess indigenous medicine merging with the best of today's treatments. Sounds like some great grassroots solutions there, mm. p- possibly literally. <laughs> yes. Um, heading east out of Alice, in a, in a bit of a different direction to some of the things we've talked about, you went to Altunga. Yes. So that's uh, you're right. Way out um, past the East McDonald's. I love the East McDonald's. A little bit quieter than the West McDonald's. You keep going out past the East McDonald's and you get out to Altunga, which was an old gold mining mecca. And in fact, I think in the 1880s, it was uh, well before Alice Springs was established, it was known as the first gazetted town in, in the Red Centre. It's a beautiful collection of old buildings there still, some of which have been done up. But importantly, you've got a couple there, Brad and Belinda Seymour, that they've actually taken on the pub out there and they've taken on the camping area. And... They uh, are an incredible couple who are actually doing it all up. So we'll, we're actually going to have a working pub back out at Altunga. And, and it was great to be out there seeing sort of their vision for the area. I mean, they're living in, uh, you know, Altunga is one of the hottest places in the Northern Territory and alternatively one of the coldest places in winter. And they're just living out there in this little shack and doing up, doing a really good job of doing up the, the pub and the camping area. Yeah, I look forward to hearing what comes of that venture. Hmm.
you also went to Hearts Range Camp Draft. Yeah, it was it was a nice serendipitous thing to just uh, realise that the uh, Hearts Range Camp Draft was on when I was there. It's uh, such a beautiful setting, you know, with, with the red hills around the the, uh, the rodeo arena there, and and to see all, all the the ringers, you know, cattlemen and women, uh, just amazing horsemanship in a location like that. I, I think it's uh, yeah, it, it really is an iconic place to to see that sort of high level rodeo riding and and camp drafting and i was um yeah pretty blessed to be there at the right time i think <laughs> so west of alice you've got the usual tourist well, i can't say usual there's nothing usual about them really the tourist favorites of places such as alice springs desert park stanley chasm ellery creek Glen helen gorge so many beautiful gorges out that way but you chose to focus on a different sort of attraction, one of the most significant geological features in Australia, where a 600 metre wide comet hit the Earth 142 million years ago, formerly known as Goss Bluff, now better known by the Aboriginal name of Norala. Yeah, an extraordinary place. I, I can't actually believe that I hadn't been there before. It does require a four-wheel drive to get in there, not necessarily high clearance because the road was pretty good, but um, you do need a four-wheel drive to get in there. And if you can imagine a crater, like that sort of classic crater shape, and inside that, you know, this wonderful mecca of, of flora and fauna, it looks amazing. And even from a distance, you can see that that classic crater shape. And, and it's interesting that the Indigenous story of, you know, this um, baby being put in a little wooden carrier and while while the women were dancing and and this is up up in the in the sky country and then somehow the uh the baby carrier fell to earth and as it as it hit the earth you, you can sort of imagine that shape of of a a wooden carrier sort of being pressed into the earth that that's really what it looks like but um sort of the the scientific explanation is yeah a a, a comet hitting hitting the earth um about 142 million years ago and and this is the the, the impact is is what we're seeing today i have been there i'm just casting my mind back to when i was there it's one of those places it's possibly almost best taken in from an aerial shot i mean it's very hard to when you're in it to really appreciate the vastness of it but Certainly when I was there, there was nobody else there. Not a lot of people go there, which is nice. Exactly right. It, and there, there's a couple of little walks, one, one which will take you up to give you more of that aerial view, which, which is quite nice. But, um, but, but you're right, there, there's a lookout a long way before it where you can actually look over towards it and that, that gives you a great idea of it as well. Looking for Australia's best range of full-size pickup trucks? Then you want a Ram truck. Get into your local Ram dealer for the best selection of powerful, capable and luxurious pickups all under one roof. With Australia's best range of full-size pickup trucks, Ram eats everything else for breakfast. Visit ramtrucks.com.au or see your Ram dealer today and get into a Hemi V8-powered Ram. Enough said. You were out also out near King's Canyon, of course, which is spectacular as well. And you took part in Kaki Aboriginal Cultural Experience. Yeah, there, there are so many great Indigenous experiences out, out in the rent centre. And I think most people who travel out there 
I would imagine, uh, are at least interested in, in at least some part of that culture. And, and whether it's looking through the art galleries in Alice Springs or whether it's doing a tour at Uluru or, or Katajuda, or, this, this was one that I, I think probably doesn't quite get the, the high number of tourists maybe, maybe through, but it's fantastic, you know, just a, a group coming from a very, very small community of, of, of just 10 people. And they run this excellent cultural experience where you go through everything from, um, you know, traditional hunting methods and, and, and that sort of thing through to art, through to foods, through to medicines. And, and after about two hours, you, you get a really excellent understanding of, I guess, traditional culture in that area. And I guess out that way, near the canyon, the main, one of the mainstays is Kings Creek Station. And it changed hands a couple of years ago. And some interesting things have been happening there ever since. But I guess one of the constants that anyone who's been to Kings Creek Station will know is, of course, the camels. <laughs> yes. And uh, yes, they've still got their collection of camels when you, when you first drive in there and including such wonderful beasts as, uh, as Daisy, who is referred to as by the keepers as the um, great white shark because you don't want to turn your back on her or she can, uh, <laughs> she can have a bit of a chomp. Yeah, and very much still part of that legacy of the Afghan Cameleers who, as we know, did, did so much in central Australia in, in terms of opening it up to, I guess, a modern settlement and, and that sort of thing. And even now, you know, we know there's up to four, four or 5,000 camels still running around Kings Creek Station and uh, let alone in the whole country where who knows what the... What the what the actual number is, but anywhere between half a million and a million camels running around the country. So uh, to be able to sort of interact with them up close and, and have a chat to the, the keepers about camels and, and their role there, yeah, I, I think that that's an important part of Kings Creek Station. Also now they've got such a variety of, of ways of accommodation out there. I was lucky to stay in their new glamping tents, which are uh, called Drover's Dream, up on a hill overlooking this incredible you know sunlit orange range and nice flash accommodation with, with your own bathroom and all that sort of stuff and they, d they do the whole um, free wine and, and cheese platter sort of thing very well. <laughs> A bit more glamorous than the caravan I stayed in when I went there Ken. <laughs> Maybe to uh, finish up I'd really like to hear about this permanent drone show at Uluru that you went to. Yes so, so this is the, the latest of the amazing experiences you can have when you go to Uluru. So many people have attended the light show now, which is still running, and, and uh, you can go and see these amazing sort of display of light through through the country. Plus, you know, many people have had the, the Sounds of Silence dinner. The latest thing, which is, I think, extraordinary, it's the largest permanent drone show in the world. So there have been larger drone shows but this is the largest ongoing one so uh, more than 1100 drones actually telling the story o over Uluru of the Mala story which is very much associated with it, that it, that area and so you can imagine things like you know the, the giant devil dog called um, Kapani sort of rises above Uluru and there's six lasers as well that that are, that are part of this this show and and the drones of course are, are lit up in different colors it's an extraordinary experience and I think it really adds to our, our understanding of the culture out there too because it's telling this ancient story in one of the most modern ways 
And I think if I could sum up the Red Centre too, that's almost where we are as we approach the Red Centre now. It is this ancient, ancient place with, with so many great stories and and this ancient landscape, and it's finding new ways to tell these stories and, and new ways to experience it. If you haven't been out there in a while, can I encourage you, get back out to the Red Centre. If it's your first time, head out there. You will not regret it. It is good for the soul. So I'm assuming, Ken, these drones are controlled by computer. You haven't got a whole lot of tech heads out there doing it. I mean, it it sort of boggles your mind, that many drones in the sky at once. That's right. And and the AI... uh, I was going to ask, is it it AI? Yeah, but I I didn't put this in the story, but I was chatting to one of the techies and it's, it's really clever. So if, for example... There's a um, there's meant to be a line of drones coming up from the ground or something, and let's say one or two of the drones have decided to go on holiday and they they're not cooperating. Go on holiday, <laughs> um, <laughs> fall from the sky. Other drones will recognise that there's a gap in the line, wow. and they will they they the, the AI sort of brings them into line. So 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 the show the show goes on regardless of of whether because. Out of eleven hundred drones, you might get say five a night that decide not to cooperate, but and but but all the others know where every other drone is and they fill in the gaps. You know, it's um smart drones. As you say, if you haven't been out there lately, get out there. This is a bit of a love letter, I think, from Outback to the Red Centre, really, isn't it? Yeah, and again, I, when I even I, I look at my own images, let alone other people's amazing images of, of the Red Centre, and it. It does engender something in you. Like I, I love all of Australia. I, I, um, I know I'm very blessed through my job to be able to go to many, many places with Outback magazine and, and to see places of Australia that, that many people don't. But, but there's something about the Red Centre that, uh, yeah, I, th- I think does engender this, this love of country and, and this, this stillness and majesty i i think in this in the soul you're sort of reminded of of our place in the universe and how small we really are and and how big our landscape is i agree and we can all read all about it in the new issue of outback that's issue 152 and you can also see ken's stunning images of the red center as well thanks for talking to me today ken oh it's a pleasure terry anytime (laughs) i'll keep that in mind And to you, dear listener, thank you too. Thanks for listening and talk to you again soon. Now's the time to upgrade to a new Ram truck with unrivaled Hemi V8 power and a max brake towing capacity of up to four and a half tonnes. With quick delivery available right now, you can get behind the wheel of a new Ram faster than ever. Stocks are limited, so see your Ram dealer or visit ramtrucks.com.au today. Ram eats everything else for breakfast. Stock and delivery times vary by model and dealer.